0: Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm going to dismiss our platform and thank them for leading us in worship today. Hallelujah. See, I said it again. Hallelujah. We're going to dismiss our classes today, our youth and our children. Our young, our, our young people meet upstairs and our children, 12 and under, they meet down here in the classroom, you're dismissed. I want to say thank you to my wife for putting the time and effort into making this sanctuary look nice and we're thankful for that. Everyone else, thank you who who uh, gives your time, your efforts, your energy here. We're thankful for that. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite Bishop Schoonover to come at this time and let him minister to us. let him follow after the Lord as the Lord leads. you want to be down here? You can be down here. I want you to be where you want to be. I like Thanks.
1: yeah, praise God, good to be here uh, the uh the this. Brother uh, Matthew Mays made a reference to this. This is the best thing. This is the greatest thing. This is this. Well, the this is this, that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see. Visions, speaks of dreams. Uh, But it was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that is this. Now, this, this is a gathering of human beings who agreed to meet a schedule and arrive pretty much at the same time. That's this. But the this that he was referencing, the thing that brings transformation to the life of an individual, is the indwelling spirit of God. Now, I've heard a change in terminologies through the years uh, amongst. Let's say from different churches I've attended, different people I've talked to. But uh, I remember in my youth, uh, a a common question you might hear uh, from a believer is, are you saved? That was the word they used. Remember that, Brother Escobar? Are you saved? Have you gotten saved? It was a positive question and encouragement, but that was the term. And then if you go into the book and you begin to look up references to being saved, you'll see they were tied to things. He that is baptized shall be saved. 2 uh, Peter, the like figure. Uh, they were all saved. There were eight saved by water. The like figure whereunto baptism doth now save us. So you see these references in Scripture of... Uh, Tying together this term which was being used so loosely to everybody, because if if the question was asked in such a way, have you been saved? Well, my goodness, I would not want to answer that question in a negative sense. So I would, of course, I would say, oh yes. Not entirely sure what I was even answering yes to. Have you been saved? And then the terminologies begin to change. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Remember that one? Oh, it swept the country. Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? And so it's like, well, well I, I, I'm not sure. Well, well, you can do it right now. And, and so you, you watch through the generations and the ages, these terminologies. Uh... Changing. Um, have you trusted Christ? If you notice how it's almost getting like shorter and shorter and shorter. Have you trusted Christ? Now it's come to the place of have you gave no. Have you made a decision? About what? Have you made a decision for Christ? Now, if you go to the book and start searching. You will struggle to find, maybe in a sort of an instance of a conversation, where these terms have been derived from. But you don't hear a lot of people across the world saying, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because the assumption is that when they got saved, when they trusted Christ, when they asked Jesus into their heart, that meant... They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But. That's the this. Which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Prophesying. And then Peter repeating on the day of Pentecost. Saying this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days so saith God. He will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. So you see there's. There's some. Confusion. So I I feel the, the need at times to bring a distinction and a clarification of what this is. A couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago, I don't know, I'm losing track of time. We talked about the demoniac of Gadara. Anybody remember that? What was that? Weeks or a month? About a month and a half ago, the demoniac of Gadara. He was crazy. He was acting crazy. He couldn't keep his clothes on. The Bible said he ran naked through the tombs. He cut himself, and so he was doing these things because. Of course, it was already stated clearly. He was a demoniac. There was demonic influence operating in his life. Everybody was afraid of him. They tried to bind him with chains. They couldn't. He had supernatural strength. It was not his own. It was demonic strength. And then it it's not clear in the beginning, but we see by reading through the end of the story, he was suicidal. And when Jesus came, this is the statement I made a few weeks ago. The will of a man is stronger than a thousand devils. Because when Jesus came and landed on the shore, the demoniac wanted to get to Jesus. And a thousand devils couldn't stop him. Oh, that yeah, there was a lot of influence operating in his life. And he couldn't explain or understand why he was having all of these feelings that he thought were his own. But it was spiritual influence operating in his life. Now, Jesus delivered him of it. What's interesting was the demons were freaking out. Uh, if you come, you know, to cast us out of this country... Read it. And they appealed and said, Cast us into that herd of swine. They knew they were coming out. They knew their day had come to an end. And so they appealed to Jesus Cast us into the herd of swine. And so he said, Go. He didn't pray all night with them, he didn't lay Bibles on their head. He didn't baptize them and then, you know, he didn't do any of those things. He said, go. The spirits went into the herd of swine. Now, swine do not have a will like the will of a man. And they could not help and resist the spiritual influence. And the Bible says they immediately ran off of a cliff into the water and drowned. Drowned. They committed suicide because that was the strongest influence influencing them. Obviously, they couldn't cut. So, those influences are gone. They've been taken care of. The Bible says that when Jesus, when Je- uh, the next morning, they found the man... Fully clothed. What's that mean? Did he slip on a pair of shorts? You know, was he wearing a wife beater? He was fully clothed and in his right mind. This is how we know he was acting like a lunatic. It already said in the scripture he was running around naked, but the influences that are now gone, the demonic influence, the spiritual influence, and a free-willed man is sitting clothed and in his right mind. Okay, let's go back a few years. Might have been my high school years, so it's going to leave a few of you out. Little rubber band. People had this little rubber band that was around their wrist in school, and I'd look over and say, WWJD. What is that? Man, everybody had them. I didn't have one. But everybody's wearing them. WWJD. Finally, in my, na- my naivety, i had ask somebody, What's that mean? WWJD. Oh, what would Jesus do? No kidding. Okay. Okay. What would Jesus do? I suppose it was being worn as a reminder to every individual that had it on their wrist. When they entered into some kind of a situation and had to make a decision about something, they would quickly glance over and see that WWJD. Probably wouldn't let him write the name of Jesus in school. But so that would cause an individual to make a choice or a decision based on what they knew. From the word of God about what Jesus would do. Now, listen to me. Let's say the demoniac of Gadara, who has now been delivered and he is sitting clothed and in his right mind, and he's got a WWJD bracelet on. Then it would be the guiding light through his life, okay, that he would recollect the things that he had read and learned. Now, catch this phrase. And he would mimic Jesus. He would want to be like him. He would want to do the things he did. So he would begin to mimic what Jesus did. Because the Holy Ghost had not been poured out yet. Therefore, in his new experience... Got that evil influences out of his life and now he's going by his bracelet. He didn't have anything else. He didn't have the transforming experience. He didn't have the indwelling well. He didn't have the fountain of life. Because that comes through the experience of receiving the baptism Of the Holy Ghost. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit. It is for everyone. But everyone doesn't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or they have not yet received. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you why a lot of people have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? It's because they're trying to mimic Jesus. Through their lifestyle, they're trying to just recreate or pattern their life. Mimic the life of the man, Christ Jesus... Through the words that they can read, not understanding that an indwelling spirit will manifest the life of Christ. His indwelling spirit. Now, not a dwelling. See, this man had indwelling spirits. The demoniac of Gadara. He had indwelling spirits. And the spirits that were operating in his life, you can't see a spirit, by the way. You only see the results And so the things that this man was doing, the craziness, the nakedness, the cutting, the things that he was acting out, the the supernatural strength, breaking the chains. He wasn't Superman. He was a demoniac. And during that time, there was no further that he could go But somewhere, either two years out, maybe three years out, and another 50 days after Passover, this, (laughs) that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, was going to happen. And when those people that were in Jerusalem came around and said, What is going on? I'm hearing them speaking other languages. We're hearing them speaking. They look drunk to me. And Peter stands up in the midst of them. And he begins to declare. These men are not drunken as you suppose. They may look like the happiest people on the planet. But they're not drunk. This... Is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel? These people had received the promise of the Holy Ghost. Now, in Acts chapter 1, we can read that the promise goes out to all of us, as many as the Lord our God shall. Call and no man cometh to the Lord except the Spirit draws him. So it doesn't come down to you making a decision. Or a choice or asking Jesus to come into your heart. You repent according to the word. That means I'm going to stop living the life I wanted to live and I'm going to turn towards Jesus. I'm turning to God. I'm turning to God. Tell me what I need to do. I'm turning to God. And some 3,000 individuals that day, after hearing Peter declare what it was that was happening, said, men and brethren, what do we do? They were hungry for God. They realized they had missed something. Oh, they looked good. I mean, they looked religious. I mean, they were at every meeting. Many of them Pharisees. Many of them Jews. For generations, serving the Lord the way they knew how for that dispensation. But now, this was a new thing. This was the the fulfillment of promises throughout the Old Testament. And now it had happened to 120 or so, and then to 3,000. And by the end of the week, it was some 5,000 more. Because the Bible began to say that believers, those that believed, they would begin to pursue. They came to an understanding of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I, I, I've, I'm recalling a few things here from the past. I've noticed there are some groups that only refer to the Holy Spirit. Almost like they're afraid to say the Holy Ghost. But listen to him say it. Almost like it's an abstract something somewhere the Holy Spirit. And you get in their company and use the word Holy Ghost. And they... why, why is that? I don't know. He said, "You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire." It was the promise to receive. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus' teaching of new birth. So, anyway. So, throughout our world. Throughout our communities. Throughout your associations. You're going to find these different. Groups that have a, well, it's, it's kind of blurred for some. It's not clear and distinctive for some, but they are committed. They did make a decision. They are wearing the bracelet. They are mimicking. They are wanting to be like Christ because this is what somebody told them to do. But still, they have yet to experience the, transfer, the, the transformation that comes. They have yet to experience the indwelling Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which the book of Acts is full of time after time. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. Read it for yourself. Now, I went to the dentist a couple of months ago. <clears throat> And they started a process. They did a root canal. And they said, we're going to do two crowns, one on that tooth and the one in front of it. Okay. Come back in a month. I come back in a month and I, I get in the chair and they're going to get me set up. And they start giving me a little salve because the shot is coming. <clears throat> and then they gave me a shot. And they gave me another shot. Then they had another lady come in, and then she gave me two shots. How you feeling? How you feeling? Let me see. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, okay, hold on. Let's let you sit there for a while. They come back in, and they gave me a couple more shots. I am full of shots. <laughs> I have been shot at. <laughs> I've been in the dentist chair for two hours. And they're trying to put a little puff of cold air in there. And it's like, ah, whatever you're doing ain't working. I don't know, it's a bad day. They said, well, you know, your metabolism affects this stuff. And so anyway, after two and a half hours, they said, this ain't working. We're going to send you home. We'll have you come back in a month and we'll try it again. Now, the lady says, just as I'm exiting the dentist office, we're really sorry this happened. We're you know she's apologetic. she says, now when you by the time you get to the light, your head may be swollen the size of a football. Okay, <clears throat> she was right. I lost feeling on this side. everything. I just checked see it was there. <clears throat> I went home, waited for it to. Pass, one day, two days, and I'm thinking, shouldn't this be gone by now? When it finally did come down, I met my uh, good friend Joe Garcia out of the taco truck, and I went to eat a taco. And when I went to open my mouth, the taco would not go in. Does my face look weird or something? I said, I can't get the taco in my mouth. I can't open my jaw. What has happened to me? <clears throat> and so I waited a week, waited two weeks. On the third week, I called the dentist back. Man, I don't know what's going on here, but I, something's happened to my jaw. You are shooting on nerves down here, but I got stuff happening up here. Oh, Man. Take a hot shower, put a hot compress on it, and we'll send you for some muscle relaxers or some kind of something. Anti-inflammatories. So I did. I did all those things, and it was still that way. But time passed. Month went back for my next appointment. We're going to try it again. Now, I'm a little apprehensive this time. I'm not wanting to repeat that whole thing again. And so they're telling me how they're gonna they're gonna approach this situation and they're gonna handle it and we're going he's gonna get she's gonna give you a shot and I got this specialist she's gonna take care of you and then I'm gonna do it myself and they're taking me through and I'm listening real close. I sat down with uh, Doctor Joe Hart one day and I was telling him what had happened. He was looking at me like that is weird. What's going on? I don't know. It is weird. Have you ever asked yourself, you know, you're going through something and you're saying, why is this happening to me? You ever get to a time past that situation only to realize, hmm, now I understand. That put me in the right place at the right time with the right individual. That's why I was having to go through that. That's why that tire went flat. That's why the car ran out of gas when it said half full. Situations, things that happen. And we find ourselves in them. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about a child of God. Because you don't own yourself. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so we pray, God, order my steps. Lead my path. But sometimes we become the very one that's resisting his hand. So here I am. Oh, thank you. Did I cough or something? I don't know. Here I am. And finally, the doctor pulls his hands out of my mouth and he said, this ain't working. We'll have to refer you. Yeah, let's do that. So they gave me a referral to the doctor across the hall. <laughs> you know, it was two dentists sharing the same offices and they had a, the entryway in the middle. So I, I, I get a referral and now I call for another appointment. But now I'm across the hall through the entryway. Now I'm meeting with different people. They call me, they make the appointment, and I tell them my story. We heard. Tari. We're gonna give you gas. Nitrous oxide. Okay, if you say so. Just let's make this different than the last situation. They did. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Give me a six-pack of that before I go. (laughs) So it was nice. I could feel them. They were talking. Everything was great. And I got out of there. And two hours later, everything was gone. I felt great. Everything was normal. Well, that's weird. Seemed like they repeated a lot of stuff that the other guy did. But anyway, I walk out. Two hours later, I'm fine. Okay, let's get you to come back and we'll get your crowns in. Okay. Month later. You know, you don't pick the date. They pick the date. Month later, I walk in. I sit in the chair and the, the, it's a different nurse immediately, she's trying to talk me out of using any anesthesia at all. What planet are you on? Did you hear? It's not going to happen here. Listen, I've been doing this 18 years. She gave me her whole list of countries she's gone and done this at. Now, if you want, we'll. But I'm just telling you, I can do this. And you'll be fine. No anesthesia. Well, the drilling's done. They're going to take the temporary off, but I don't care. You stick anything in my mouth and I'm going through the roof. Before, it wasn't the drilling, it was the water and the air. Okay? So, all right. I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm sitting here, I'm praying God's hand upon this lady. She moves around a little bit. and She says, how's that feel? Good. She says, it's out. Okay. So, here's what she says to me. I want you to be able to go about your day. I don't want you under the influence of... Of these medicines, you're not going to be able to talk right. You're not going to be able to eat right. You're not. I, want, I don't want that. I don't want you to have to deal with that through the day. I have never had a dentist tell me anything like that. Or a nurse. I've never in my life. And in a couple of moments, she speaks out the word church. Hmm. Then she starts, while, you know, I'm. She's talking, I'm trying to answer. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Her husband was a youth pastor, and now he was a family pastor, and they belonged at this church, but they've left that church. Now they're over here, and they're going, and they've just. She's telling me her life and the church. And as I'm sitting there, God is speaking to me about what I am to say to her and that I cannot avoid. He's charging me. I'm in a dentist office full of people. She's got a schedule to keep. Finally, when I did make the comment, I said, I'm sorry, I'm taking up so much of your time. She says, oh, no, nobody else is on the schedule. In this office. And I'm thinking, God has arranged for this moment. Yeah. We got everything done. She says, you're all done. Just step up to the sink here and rinse out your mouth with a cup of water. She's standing there. I'm rinsing. I poured out. And I said, have you ever spent much time in the book of Acts? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. I took an Acts class. I said, do you remember the time when Paul asked, came across believers, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Yeah. I said, do you realize there are are many church groups around now that they don't ask that question because they are not pursuing God to the place of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Or they think that when they trusted Christ. God filled them with the Holy Ghost. But that question tells us, this is two different experiences. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? She says, I can't believe this. I I was talking to my daughter-in-law about this last night. Why did you ask me that question? I said, because as I sat there in the chair and your hands were in my mouth, God was speaking to me about asking you these questions. Then I realized that that whole deal that happened at the doctor down the hall, that was the plan of God to get me in this chair on this day to speak these words to you. I can't tell you the boldness and the confidence that was there. I cared less who was in the office and I wasn't going to stop until God gave me the Whoa. I was amazed. Now, let me tell you a reality that I came to. Many times in Scripture, in the book of Acts, you have encounters. Okay? I'll give you a couple. Cornelius, he's at his house, he's fasting, he's praying, he's waiting on the Lord. The Lord sends an angel. The angel says, Hey, there's a guy by the name of Peter. He's, you know, send men to Joppa for a man by the name of Simon Peter. And he'll tell you what you need to do. So he sends a men to another man who's already on the path. He's, he's headed in a direction, but he's going to tell you what you need to do. He told Saul of Tarsus, going into Damascus, and abide at a certain house, it will be told there, it will be told to you what you need to do. And so God is oftentimes aligning the paths of people because He's trying to use one in the depth of their revelation to take them on a little further. Philip leave Samaria. Go out into the desert. What What are you talking about? He goes into the desert, and the Spirit of God says, Go join yourself to that guy in the chariot. Going across the the middle of the desert. It would be like driving halfway from here to Ellensburg and looking out over that vast nothing and seeing the chariot. And the Spirit of God would tell you, Pull your car over, park it right there at the exit. I want you to walk out there and meet that guy. Philip does. And the guy is in the book of Isaiah. He's been in Jerusalem during the same time that Passover had taken place. And now he's heading back home. He's got a place. He's looking in the book. He's hungry. He's searching. His experience is limited. And Philip says, you understand what you're reading? No. So here's what I'm saying. You start talking to an individual you don't know, and they say, Oh, we attend the church of, and you go, Oh, they already go to a church. Been there? Done that? Dismiss in your mind, Oh, we go to, oh. So this lady and her husband are in the ministry. And I said to her, so what was the name of that church that you went to? I'm just wanting to see where they are on the path. Doctrinally. Well, that was Westside Baptist, but now we go to something I never heard of. But that tells me where... They're understanding because I know what their teaching is. So, somewhere I know in her life she's made some commitment to God. Amen. But the Baptists don't even teach baptism anymore. So, she is mimicking the life of Christ. She is hungry for God. And I know that because God sent me into that office... God intended to reach this individual and to help lead them further along to a place in him that is this. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's his purpose for you. It's his intention for you. It is his absolute promise to you. The only thing that can stop, maybe, or delay you, is when you give ear to the accuser of the brethren. About who you are or about something in your past that you disqualify yourself. You you need to fall in love with the revelation of the blood. You have to, yes, the blood of Christ. You need to fall in love and have a confidence from the word of God. About the blood of Christ and how it is applied to your life. Because at that point, with that understanding, it doesn't matter what is spoken by humans or what is spoken by the deceiver. Because if any man sins. We have an advocate. Christ Jesus the righteous. And when we bring to remembrance the blood. What that means is when the blood's applied. And if I find myself with sin in my life. Then I simply make an appeal to my Savior. Why? Because I know the power of the blood. He went there for me, he went there for you. Get a revelation of the blood. Get a revelation of the blood. Has it become clearer for somebody here today? It's his promise. And his desire and purpose to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Gift because you cannot earn it. You can't do good, good enough for long enough to earn it. But without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, without walking in the Spirit as Paul so extensively describes in the New Testament epistles then you're simply mimicking. Oh, many call it Christianity. Mimicking what Jesus would do. But by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is an indwelling manifestation of Christ. I become more like Him because of the fellowship of that indwelling Spirit. I start talking like him. I start looking. Whatever that is. Go to the demoniac and ask him. Why did you put your clothes on? How did you become so educated overnight? How did you become so smart? And so. And not so. Maniac. Absence of the spirit of this world. All right. Now. He, again, let me go back and make that clear. He hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it hadn't been poured out yet. He was only minus demonic influence in his life. Now, that took him a long way, didn't it? Didn't it? It takes an individual a long way getting rid of influence. You know... We went to Puyallup in 1995 and uh, one of the first couples that I began to work with I started into a Bible study with them. It went on for months Seemed like there was just always a flow to minister to them One night when I went over for the Bible study, they said to me "Um, We went through our stack of CDs I said, what do you mean? What's that mean? Well We started going, we have lots of CDs. He said thousands of dollars of CDs we have for music. Okay. And what we felt to do, we wanted to cleanse our house. Okay. That's interesting. Why would a person begin to want to get some things out of their house? Because they were wanting to get some things out of their life. Anyway, they showed me this garbage can. And they said we would just look at the front of the CD. If we didn't like it, we threw it in. Whatever we saw, if we didn't like what we saw, we took it and we threw it in. They said this is all we have left. (laughs) The indwelling presence of God will cause an individual... To begin to look at their own life, their own house, where they live, how they live. And they start changing some things and maybe even gaining some things. I've watched people go out and buy their first Bible. And it's like it starts them down a path that they just don't even seem to stop. Then they go and they start buying all these Christian artists' CDs and music and all they want to do is play it and worship. And, and that's a wonderful thing. A life in Christ is not a life of mimicking Christ. What would Jesus do? Do you know what Mary did? I'm not talking about Magdalene. I'm talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She went to an upper room in Jerusalem. If you were to come to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and ask her, what should I do? She would lay hands on you. And say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I may be going too long here. I don't know. I don't want to put you to sleep. It is getting warm. Elder flowers.
0: Amen. I'm going to do something here. We're going to pray, we're going to respond to what we've heard, but I also am going to say this, what I would say in place of what would Jesus do, and this is just me asking myself this, and I'm encouraging you to ask yourself, do I have Jesus? Whether I do or not, I know because this tells me if I do or not. But if your answer is anything but absolutely 100% yes, if it's anything other than that, maybe I, I think I do, I might, I feel like I do. I think, you know, I, somebody told me I did. If it's anything except coming from you, 100% honest yes, I am making myself available to you. I want you to come to me and I want you to tell me I want to know for sure I need to know for sure how do I know for sure because every one of us just like what Bishop Schoonover was saying we're, we're, we come from different walks different backgrounds even different times and different churches even and so the answer is not just as simple we'll have you this and that we'd like to make it so but more importantly than can i check this box and can i check this box it's i have to know do i have jesus and i'm telling you i'm making this is what i do this is what i want to do i want to be available to you today tomorrow this week next week whenever it is that we can get into the word that we can get into our lives and say, now I know for sure. We do, th- we do this every week, okay? We preach, we stand, we pray, we receive, we confess. We do that every week and it's right and it's in order. But that does not take the place of knowing that I have Jesus. Knowing Without a doubt, I'm telling you, the every day that passes, you just need to get more sure of that answer. And what, whatever's coming in the future, the Lord knows it, but you're going to need to know without. Well, I think I did. I'm hoping that I did. We have to know. We get, the Bible tells us. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. The Bible tells us to do that. The Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you stand with me? I want you to pray. I want you to open your spirit to God right now. Lord, in your name. Jesus, I have to have you, Father. I have to have you above everything else. I have to have you. I need to know, God, that you live inside me. I need to know that you walk with me. I need to know that you speak to me, God, and when I hear something, that it's you, God, that there's no question, that there's no doubt, Jesus, but there is a sure foundation in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want you to live inside me. I want you to live inside me. Be alive in me, Jesus, leading my steps, leading my time, ordering my day, ordering the words that I say. I need it to be you, Jesus. I need it to be you, Jesus, not my own thoughts, not my own thoughts, Lord, not my own direction. I need it to be yours, your word and your truth. I examine myself right now, God. All the past, Lord, the things I've heard and the things I've confessed and said and the walk that I have with you, Jesus. I'm examining it right now, God. I have to know that I have you living inside me. In the name of Jesus, come on, talk to the Lord. We're not rushing through this. We're giving each other time to talk to the Lord. Making it sure. Making it known. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, in your name, I need your spirit. I need your spirit. I need your truth, Father. In the name of Jesus, oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I have to have you, Lord, I have to have you. The name of Jesus More importantly than than what we feel, we feel the Spirit of God, and that's I'm thankful for that. That's I, I love that. But more importantly than what we feel is what we know. Because when the feeling's gone, the knowledge is still there. And I know I'm secure. I know that I have God. Even, like that song said, even when I don't feel it, even when I can't hear it because there's all this others, I know, I know, I know that I have the Spirit of God inside me. going to say it again i'm making myself available to each and every one of you this is what the body does this is what the ministry does we minister to one another and we help one another would you just talk to the lord a little bit longer in the name of jesus Come on, this is your opportunity to respond to the Lord.
2: Let the Lord love you right now. Oh, let him touch your heart. Let him love you right now. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you for everything that you've done today. For your words of wisdom, for your love that that you've wrapped us in today. We just thank you. We give you praise and glory. If you didn't walk away today with what you came seeking the Lord for, Continue to carry the spirit that we feel right now Out with you today His work does not end Because we dismiss this service And we leave this building His work is with us all the time He said I shall never leave you Nor forsake you That means everything you go through From here on out He will be with you He will walk with you He will hold your hand He will guide you But it's going to take you letting him So what you feel right now be in his in his presence it's not in this building he will let you carry that with you as we dismiss today so let's just close our eyes and let's thank him for what he's doing right now father we love you i thank you for god in my steps i thank you for this presence that i feel right now and i thank you that i don't have to let this go That as we depart from this place, that you would still walk with me. That you would be with me on the drive home. And as we sit down at dinner tonight with our family and our loved ones, that you will still be there with us. Let's just give him a hand clap of praise this afternoon. Tell him that you love him. And as we dismiss from this service, shake someone's hand. And tell them it was good to be in the house of the Lord with them today. In that mighty name of Jesus.